0: all right thank you very much for joining us for another episode of natural health 365 podcast i really appreciate all your support i know today you're going to really enjoy this program i'm with a very good friend of mine who's been a longtime supporter of our work here at natural health 365 and it's dr jack wolfson jack thank you very much for being with us appreciate you man
1: no, thank you so much, Jonathan. Pleasure to be on. Love talking to the Natural Health 365
0: tribe and got a lot of great stuff to bring today. So let's get going. Okay. Yeah, definitely. For those who don't know much about you, Jack, I'd really like you to talk a little bit about your journey because board certified cardiologists, you know, you start that way, conventionally trained this whole thing. And now you ended up being the kind of doctor you are today. We need more doctors like you. I mean, talk to us about that whole journey, you know, just for a few minutes. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, listen,
1: I'm a cardiologist like my father before me. I went through four years of medical school, three years of internal medicine, three years of cardiology, and then a couple years on the job in the biggest group in the state of Arizona, where I would eventually become a senior partner. Uh, I mean, there was 40 cardiologists in the group. So along the way, a couple years into it, I met the woman who had become my, my wife, and she is a doctor of chiropractic, doctor of cause. And then on our first couple, you know, dates, you know, together, she starts explaining to me about what real health is about. And she said, listen, you're on the wrong path. You're in the wrong paradigm. You're talking, you know, you're all you're doing is prescribing pharmaceuticals, doing dangerous procedures. You're not helping anybody because you're not going after the cause. And uh, what she said really resonated with me. Now, a lot of other medical doctors would have ran away from that person. Like, what, what's this quack talking about? Uh, you know, t- you know, you know, denigrating pharmaceuticals and surgeries and pacemakers and talking about nutrition and lifestyle. Well, whereas those other people would run away. I ran towards her because I saw so much sickness in my practice, just heart attacks and strokes and heart failures and people dying. But then I also saw sickness in my own family. I saw sickness in my own father, who would eventually die of a Parkinson's-like illness at the age of 63. And at the Mayo Clinic, they said they have no idea why my father is sick. And then I meet this 29-year-old chiropractor, and she's got all the reasons why my father is sick. So I listened, I changed, and here I am today, and it's been just a miraculous journey.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Jack. I know a lot of healthcare providers enjoy watching this these kind of programs that I put out, and I think your message really will resonate with a lot of people out there, because I think it symbolizes people either too afraid to change, feeling very stuck in their life, and the healthcare providers out there who are just, you know, in their motions, trying to earn a living— but definitely not satisfied. They see day in and day out the same misery. There is no change. And yet the point isn't to wallow in that misery. There really is a wonderful, amazing way to be something so different. And you're finding that every day. I mean, you're raising a family. You're busy really living the life, right?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, listen, If I was able to leave what I left, again, 40 other cardiologists and vascular surgeons, and plus we had nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. If I was able to leave that, leave the guaranteed income and the money train behind, if I was able to leave that, anybody can leave it. If I was able to face the scrutiny of being, again, being against the grain, of being that other, you know, the the alternative guy. Uh, If I was able to leave that, again, anybody can, but it can be difficult. So most medical doctors, I think they would agree with everything on your website, but it doesn't pay the bills for them. So they, again, feel, they feel obligated. They feel, again, just stuck in this scenario where they can't get out. I'll tell you, I was able to get out. There's a lot of other holistic providers now that practice differently, and they're so much happier. Job dissatisfaction among mainstream medical doctors is at an all-time high and continues to get worse, and it will continue to get worse because, again, they're not anything more, really, than prescription pushers, uh, pharmacists, you know, glorified pharmacists is what it is. And it's so much better when you're able to help people by talking about nutrition, talking about lifestyle, talking about evidence-based supplements. There's a time and a place for emergencies. We, everybody understands that. But for when it comes to prevention, the medical community has nothing, and you know your website contains everything. So I applaud all that.
0: Thank you, Jack. Listen, we've got we're gonna just touch on a couple serious heart issues that I know is affecting a lot of people. I'd love you to uh, give us the helicopter view, if you will, about what's going on in terms of palpitations and arrhythmias. We could take a look at palpitations first. I know a lot of people are going through this. What exactly is it? How big a scope of a problem is it as well? And someone like you as a cardiologist, how do you go deal with it compared to, say, a conventional doc out there, you know? Sure thing. You know, the the
1: medical diagnosis is palpitations for the subjective feeling of how your heart is maybe racing or skipping or irregular or occasionally you get a thump or you lose your breath. That's what we would say is palpitations. Now, there's a lot of different causes of those palpitations, including like you touched on, atrial fibrillation. Now, palpitations tends to be a lot more common in maybe younger folks, where they, uh, you know, a 25-year-old woman, she's watching a movie and all of a sudden her heart starts to, you know, skip or flip-flop or whatever the symptoms may be. And again, people describe it in a lot of different ways. So now as a cardiologist, when I hear this complaint, and like you pointed out, millions of people have the palpitations, number one, what is it? Can we determine as a cardiologist, is it something serious? Is it something that's not serious? We go through all that kind of discussion. And then as opposed to, well, let's just try a pharmaceutical and see if the symptoms go away. Instead of that approach, of course, we wanna know what is causing my symptoms. And that's what I do. I look very deep into all these different causes, find where these things are, and then start to improve upon them. And we're very successful getting rid of those symptoms, which affect so many people. And Jonathan, I'm telling you, I've seen people that, again, their heart skips maybe, and they say it skips two, three times a day, and it's ruining their life. Now, that's a pretty horrible situation to be in, which I don't want for anybody. And what we try and do, once again, is, is, is finding the cause of that and reversing it. Some people, if you monitor them, they've got a lot of skips and stuff like that, but they feel none of the symptoms. Again, some people have two to three skips, and it's ruining their life.
0: Jack, let's dive into this a little bit. We'll have a little fun with this. I say fun because I'm past it now. But let me throw out one example to you, me. A long time ago, decades ago, I was a highly trained athlete. Okay, I'm not telling you this to pat myself on the back, but just to give you some context, right? Running a lot, miles and miles, very muscular, lifting weights, doing all this stuff. And my times were, you know, I was doing a lot of track running and, you know, we're looking at around five minutes a mile and sometimes even faster than that, depending on the distance. So I was really banging out some really intense speed. But I would notice, and check this out, it was like the only reason why I would get a racing heart the next day after having chocolate. I would have like a cake or a chocolate bar, and I knew every now and then throughout the year, whenever I would have that chocolate, the next day within just the very beginning of athletic training, boom, it would do this little racing, and I would know what I did. I would kick myself in the butt. Man, I don't have to do it. How I would correct it is I would literally lay on the ground on my back and just wait, take deep breaths. It usually took about a minute or two. Even if I was already shooting out, doing a speed work at a track, I would just drop to the ground, breathe in and out, and boom. All of a sudden, that racing heart rate went back to a normal rhythm, and then I was fine, and then I went on with the rest. But it really upset me because I knew it was the chocolate. Come on, Doc. What have you got to say? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, listen, obviously, whether it's, you know, some people get triggered from chocolate, some people get triggered from caffeine, some people, when you have that conversation with people and you're like, oh, you got to give up coffee, if you want to get rid of the symptoms, well, a lot of people say, you know what, I'll struggle with the symptoms rather than give up coffee or chocolate. Another big offender is alcohol not so much when you're drinking the alcohol, but it's the next day. And that's often called holiday heart syndrome. And what we want to be able to do, Jonathan, is that we don't want to take away your chocolate. We don't want to take away your coffee. I don't want to take away the fact people may want to have a drink or two You know, a week. That's pretty much my limit on that. But again, how do we make sure that you're as healthy as possible so you can tolerate the chocolate uh, or the alcohol or, or the coffee? Now, in your scenario, so many of those people that are athletes, again, you were in tip top shape, So you thought, uh, you know, you're running, you're doing tremendous, you know, five-minute mile is very impressive, obviously. So to be able to, you know, to do that, again, you may have looked good on the outside, lung conditioning, cardiovascular was good. But again, what were the other factors that were going on if we were to measure your markers of inflammation, oxidative stress, vitamin D, insulin resistance? Uh, environmental toxins pollutants you know I know you're such a big uh, uh, liver guy and about you know you know liver health I know how important oral health is to you what was your dentition like so again so many different things that again when combined it may be with maybe it's sugar maybe it's the chocolate maybe it's the coffee point that, again, that can give those symptoms to somebody. And you were astute to be able, okay, you know, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to crank up parasympathetic tone. I'm going to just try and chill out for a couple minutes. And in doing so, that can reset your whole cardiac pattern. And that's, uh, that's very important, useful information to be able to share.
0: Yeah, I just felt like it was such an electrical imbalance, you know, that it was just somehow that chocolate that I would have – the sugar, the simple sugars, the caffeine, perhaps, whatever it was, the junk that was in there, that was just the thing. I was so sensitive to that being electrically disharmonious to us that when I would stay away from it, it would be fine. And as a lesson for anyone watching, I mean, Jack, I was a wreck in other ways. I had the mercury, the dental amalgams, I had the mercury fillings all in my mouth. I definitely wasn't eating the best quality food all the time, but in terms of my heart and the, you know, the very rapid heart rate, it definitely was that one other thing that I think the analogy I use all the time is like the bathtub was filled with a lot of crap, but that was the one other thing that threw me over the edge. And when I stayed away from that, it was good, and thank God that stuff is gone. But, man, I could see where a lot of people would flip out they wouldn't even know to lay down and stop that. And then that rapid heart rate, that can drain the heck out of your energy all day. If you do that, that's like running a marathon all day for a deconditioned person, right? Yeah, most certainly. And obviously I've seen thousands of people with this particular situation. It's very,
1: very common uh, for younger folks, especially to go for, for palpitations, the general feeling of skips and flips. Uh, I think also is that the scenario... That is more dangerous, certainly, is that if the condition is atrial fibrillation, where that constant irregularity bum bum that can, when allowed to go unchecked, can lead to congestive heart failure, can lead to heart damage, can lead to a stroke. And that's why I really like to educate people on two different areas. One is the palpitations. And again, is that from premature atrial? complexes, ventricular complexes, sinus tachycardia, a lot of things there, but we need to make sure it's not atrial fibrillation, which is even occurring in younger folks. But again, atrial fibrillation is a more sinister diagnosis, but the good news is we have a lot of natural holistic strategies that I love to teach to be able to help people with AFib because again, so many people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, millions of people have this And They're scared. They don't want to be on the pharmaceuticals with all the side effects and lack of efficacy. They don't want to go for an ablation or these other surgical procedures or be on nasty blood thinners, but they're not given another solution or discussion even with their conventional medical doctor. They don't even know there's all the things that we can do on the natural side.
0: I think we'll touch on some of the toxicity issues in a moment, Jack, but first, You're a circulation guy. I'd love for you to bring into it how just basic, practical stuff that if people are suffering with cardiovascular issues right now, just talk a little bit about dehydration in general and how that has a negative impact on people. And then I also want you to touch on another very real thing, especially with corona, the way it is now, the emotional anxiety, the stress the lack of good quality sleep with someone genuinely knows deep inside they're just freaking exhausted you know the adrenal fatigue type issues in people how does all that the dehydration the stress the physical exhaustion the emotional exhaustion how does that blend into you know a very dysfunctional electricity within us you know well, Jonathan, that's another great question you know, from you, and it's a really
1: long answer, and everybody knows they should be drinking more water. Everybody knows that they should be drinking maybe half their body weight in ounces, or again, this dehydration is a factor for all health and wellness, but dehydration a lot of times comes from inside of the cell. So let me explain that, and then in understanding that, you'll also get how COVID is involved here. So let me go down this little route rabbit hole if we can. Now, the way the majority of the water inside of our, our cell the mitochondria, it's not what we drink, it's what we eat and what we breathe. So, hu- hydrogen atoms from the food, specifically body fats, combine with oxygen that we breathe, and it does so in the mitochondria, hydrogen, oxygen, together, that makes which is water so the quality water is made by the mitochondria it's not what we drink now here's the problem most people do not eat quality fats so they're not getting the hydrogen and most people right now are not getting enough oxygen why because they're walking around with a mask And this scenario where you could get mild hypoxia or mild or even significant amount of lower amounts of oxygen now could limit the water. So again, I want to give you a different scenario of how you could be truly dehydrated, not because you're not drinking enough, but because you're not making enough cellular water. Now, cellular water, a lot of things are involved with the making of cellular water. But again, I don't think living your life with a mask on is is helping the situation?
0: I don't think a lot of people realize how much water they could lose, as well as being perhaps a little, you know, negligent about drinking enough water during the day. By just simply sweating at night in bed and just breathing for five, six, seven, eight hours, I mean you're losing you're losing water all night. I I can't tell you how much it means to me to rehydrate with my greens drink, you know, this huge, tall glass, and then, of course, more water during the day in the morning, that's when I particularly load up. And I always find it's great. Makes me pee, you know, urinate, get the stuff out of me, the toxins. It definitely triggers a bowel movement when I get that 16 to 20 ounces of a liquid green drink into me early in the morning. It triggers very soon after that, hey, I feel like having a good bowel movement, It's just the whole thing makes sense to me, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I happen to be a, a big coffee drinker. I think
1: coffee can be medicinal. I think coffee is therapeutic. The science really supports that. And that's people who drink, you know, McDonald's coffee or Folgers, like how I grew up on, not to mention how, you know, you and I talk about the best of the best coffees, organic, no mold, no pesticides, all that kind of stuff, how we do that. But so what I do every morning is that I start off with 12 ounces of water and just, you know, straight down the hatch. And of course it's the most high quality filtered, you know, blah, Blah, blah blah the best water and now that way I start off and then I go into you know a couple cups of coffee and then I do my greens drink after that but I'm not saying obviously it's better worse uh, it's just my preference because I do love the that first morning coffee I've been doing it since I was 10 it's much healthier now than it was back then but that's the way that I roll but I love the idea of what you said as far as starting off the day with the greens drink when most people are starting off with with pancakes or some kind of sugary cereal uh bad bad strategy started off with uh you know with with a good healthy you know amount of greens and you know even tear cardiologists talking about bacon eggs salmon and eggs these are phenomenal ways to start off the day and again your listeners all know if they know me it's always the most high quality ingredients possible
0: how much, I know that most conventionally trained cardiologists, Jack, are not going to talk about this whole idea of being exhausted and how that may play a role in heart irregularities. Is there a connection? And if so, just explain that a little bit for a couple minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, exhaustion to me always starts off with sleep. When, you know, and, and again, we talk about palpitations being a very frequent cause why people seek out medical help. Uh, well, the t- Exhaustion is another one. And could it be thyroid, could it be adrenals, could it be this or that? It could be a lot of different things and we need to address all those. But sleep is the first thing we need to address. Now, most people go to sleep at midnight, which used to be middle of the night, And they are not getting adequate sleep. So people who sleep six hours and less have a much higher risk of atrial fibrillation, much higher risk of heart rhythm problems in general. And, of course, heart attack and stroke and you throw cancer in there. Sleep, I think you and I will agree, is probably, uh, you know, number one. One on this whole spectrum and certainly it is it is no less important than food we all love to debate food what's the best diet should i go keto should i go paleo should i go vegetarian vegan again it's not it's not as important as sleep the literature on the importance of sleep is is extensive now when you throw into the fact of the variety of why people don't sleep. I think it's worse now than ever. As of this time of recording, people are under the most amount of stress ever. There, there could be no time when stress is more of a factor for all of us. And you, anytime you turn on the t- uh, the TV, anytime you turn on uh, the radio, anytime you even log onto your computer and you get to your maybe your mail servers on Yahoo or whatever it may be. Again, it's just selling the the culture of fear and that fear leads to lack of sleep that fear leads to all these other factors and that this mental illness and again mental illness anxiety fear anger depression all of that is linked to a much higher risk of not only atrial fibrillation but cardiovascular disease and stroke you know in total
0: i am concerned jack not that we need to talk about it much more but I am concerned about the sheer fact that people are locked down, staying at home more. Alcohol sales are up. I know you said a little bit a week. That's about your max. I hear you loud and clear. I think in reality, a lot of people are drinking way too much alcohol during the week. So that's got to be a factor. But what about this next thing I'm bringing up, which is definitely in my wheelhouse. It's what I did a lot of in the past and still do to this day, keeping steady with exercise staying physically active. Nobody's got to do five-minute miles. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. But man, talk about the heart muscle getting deconditioned. How important is that to keep in shape to avoid these arrhythmias? Do you see a connection? How do you talk to people about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, at a time when we are being told to stay safe Stay at home, not go outdoors. A lot of people are even, you know, restricted uh, to to outdoor exercise, and maybe under under you know mandate in their state during their time. People that you see outside that are uh, exercising in nature, physically active in nature, with a face covering. I will never understand that. Um, the The reality is is that we need to get outside as much as possible. So I am all about physical activity, but my activity is not inside on a treadmill under the fluorescent lights, uh, while you're around other treadmills, while you're around all these other chemicals that are all indoor chemicals, whether in your own home or, or in a workout facility when they open back up. I'm all about being active outside and minimally clothed. So, What does that do? It gets you out into nature, much more for your mind, body, spirit. But it's also, it's about that sunshine, natural light, and vitamin D story. And all of those things not only will protect your immune system, as you extensively write about all of this, but also protect your heart. So people with the highest levels of sun exposure have the lowest risk of cardiovascular disease, lowest risk of heart attack, stroke atrial you name it so again the food story is not as important as the sunshine story it the food story is important but again what we want to really focus on you know the sleep the sunshine and those things are free right i mean people are like oh well you know what i lost my job or i can't do this or i can't i can't afford to, you know to take all those supplements or eat the organic food you know Light is free. Getting outside is free. All of nature is outside in, in, in natural light. It is only the human that's inside. So, again, the sleep and the sun, they're both free. They're both easily obtained. And they're both a very, very excellent answer to everything that we're talking about.
0: So, Jack, I love what you're talking about, um, especially this idea of the sun, because you're referencing work that I'm familiar with from years ago. I would imagine you know, Dr. William Grant, who actually did, you know epidemiological studies where he said, you know, it didn't really matter anything other than the sun exposure to the skin and the angle of the sun. So many people in northern climates really need to pay attention. If they get the opportunity to definitely get to a, a lower latitude, good for them. Because what Dr. Grant was seeing was, didn't matter anything else, just the fact that the angle of the sun, 30 degrees latitude was the key marker to the equator, that that area, which is basically San Diego all the way across to Florida, anybody north of that is above 30, it's 31, 32, 33, up into the 40s in New York where I used to live. I mean, the angle of the sun, even if you're out there in the middle of the day with no clothes on at all, It's just less sun exposure. It's a big deal because the less of that and the less vitamin D that's in the body, which is definitely like a real pandemic that's going on in most of the Western, the Northern Hemisphere, in Western culture, vitamin D deficiencies are are rampant. That that is a serious problem to your health, no doubt.
1: Well, you know, the other thing, Too is that you know, you listen to kind of mainstream media and they trot out some of these doctors and uh they're just so clueless. And I have I have a lot of trouble explaining why the medical doctors are so clueless about the power of the sun, because every single study shows that you name the health condition, right? And you and I can pop on, you know, to the internet and take us right to the medical scientific literature that talks about people with the highest levels of vitamin D have the lowest risk of everything, one of the things I talk about is that people that have a history of benign skin cancer have a much lower risk of having a heart attack and stroke. Because, I mean, me personally, I don't believe that the sun causes skin cancer. They cause skin cancer. But even if we were to say that benign, meaning not life-threatening skin cancers, Uh, those people, again, are from the sun. Well, I'm not worried about a benign skin cancer. I'm worried about dying of cardiovascular disease, dementia, autoimmune cancer, you name it. And when I spoke at The Truth About Cancer, then I wrote a blog post on 17 different uh, cancers that the risk of is lower when you have the highest amount of vitamin D and sunshine exposure. I got a little excited. So I got a little excited talking about this here, and you know, so so we really want to embrace that power of the sun. Now, a lot of people they're not going to do what you did. You know, not going to be able to move from uh, you know New York to a sunny climate. Even myself coming from Chicago down to Arizona, uh, a lot of people can't do that. So I give them a couple strategies. Number one, try and take vacations for as much time as you are in this in the cold climate, five to seven weeks in the cold, five to seven days in the sun but also in the summertime we're recording right now in the summertime get outside and bank up as much vitamin d as you can and do it in a smart way so you get morning sunshine in the noontime you get the uva uvb and then you get more red light infrared in the later afternoons and you know uh, the day and now you bank up as much as you can so now coming into the colder seasons now when the sun in the equator you know drops below uh, the equator and you're not getting good quality UVA UVB that's when you need to again use up what you stored and then really start reaching for quality vitamin D from the food and that you know works in very well when you start eating free range grass fed organ meats you start eating seafood you start eating shellfish All that stuff is a great source of vitamin D, but don't believe all the BS where people are talking about the sun is dangerous. Don't be loading up on toxic sunscreens. Don't put it onto your children. Go out and embrace the sun in a smart way. Sunburn bad. Sunshine is always good.
0: And Jack, just to finish up our program, I think it is worthwhile, although I can see all the Regular trained, traditionally trained, conventionally trained. I don't even want to use traditional. Conventionally trained cardiologists are going to roll their eyes at this last one. But when you're looking at someone with really stressed-out heart or cardiovascular issues, and you look at that person and you're listening to them and you get to know them, how important is it for that person to have strong faith, a stronger faith, a stronger spiritual life, better relationships, perhaps. All of this, basically, what I'm saying is feeding into a stronger, healthier emotional and mental state to help them to get out of the woods of where they are to where they want to be. How important a factor is that? Or you're like, Jonathan, you know, that's like the last part of it.
1: No, I think, you know what? That's honestly the first first part of it. Because again, we debate about the food. We debate even those of us that are sunshine gurus and sleep gurus and push, you know, the natural lifestyle and keep everything organic and get physically active. Is there anything more important than good mental health? And the answer is no. And the literature, again, supports that. People who are unemployed, have a 500% higher risk of committing suicide. They also have a 280% higher risk of having a heart attack. People that feel alone and socially isolated have a much higher risk of cardiovascular events, heart attacks and strokes and cardiomyopathy as well. There's even stress-induced cardiomyopathy, something called Takotsubo syndrome or broken heart syndrome. There's SCAD, spontaneous coronary artery dissection. And these are all stress-induced situations. And what we need to do is get that happiness back, because I believe that a truly happy person doesn't get sick. If, If they're truly happy, if they're happy in their relationships, happy in their career, happy in where they live, if they're truly happy, I think that is the key to becoming bulletproof and you can eat the best foods and get the sleep and get the sun and that'll contribute to your happiness but again if you're in a bad job situation bad relationships you need to do something to correct that and whether it is uh, with religious guidance as as a formalized religion or just finding spirituality in the universe in the world a higher purpose for what we are all experiencing, undoubtedly that will, that will benefit you knowing again, that, that again, there, there is something bigger than all of us, but again, living in the real world to, to get those negativities out of your life will only lead to better health.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you talked about that as a medical professional I am so happy that you're talking about it all the time, Jack. I think we need more doctors to talk about it as well. There's no doubt about it. People understand that eating better, living a healthier lifestyle, will have an impact on you mentally and emotionally. We get it, but I feel there are a lot of people out there. They know what's going on in their life, and they may be doing a lot of other things that are really, really good, but there's something missing mentally and emotionally, to get outside themselves, to know that they're here for really important reasons, and to find that greater way of living, not just for themselves, but for the people that are around them, to make better connections with other people, and to find that way of living so that they can truly be happier, I think that's gonna have a great impact on their heart muscle, their arteries, their veins, their liver, everybody gets my point. Jack, a lot of people at Natural Health 365 are going to hear plenty from me about your program, where you're going to be talking about two aspects of heart health. You could talk about those two programs, but again, we'll have links in the, in the uh, description for the podcast, and we're also going to be talking a lot about it on our Natural Health 365 newsletter as well, Talk about this program that you created, what the whole point was. Go ahead. Well, you know,
1: once again, you know,
0: palpitations
1: and atrial fibrillation are major, major um, disturbances for people. And the answer is not the pharmaceuticals. The answer is not the surgeries. The answer is always to go after the cause. So I appreciate you helping me get the message out there for these things. Now, the information we're going to have. We're going to do it over a couple webinars. We're going to do a free webinar on palpitations and a free webinar on atrial fibrillation. And we're going to give some nice practical strategies on how people can live with Palpitations, but actually, how we can start the process of reversal? Because when we do so, not only do we help with palpitations and AFib, but we help with everything else. And also, for maybe a lot of people that are listening to this, maybe they have a caregiver, you know, someone that they that they live with. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's a mom or dad. I think we can really, really help, and we've done this course before, and the people just love it. And it's not just, again, the person with AFib, but it's the family member that's also so affected. And you want your loved one to live a long but, healthy life and i think that's what these programs are going to be about about getting people to health and wellness while we're minimizing the dangerous pharmaceuticals and surgeries all taught by a guy who's lived on both sides again 16 years in the hospital system 8 years now outside of the hospital system so i know both sides and i choose to practice naturally and again i appreciate you allowing me to be able to share this information and i appreciate your support jonathan
0: yeah, it's no problem. It's a pleasure. It's good to get this message out, Jack. Thank you very much for being with us today. I really do appreciate you, Jack.